With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to drop us a rating and review after the episode. Check us out on social media and on our website at atbsports.net. Right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Um, this week, we are delighted to have Jade Johnson from across, uh, from Harcourt Honeys. Um, Jade, do you want to kind of introduce yourself? Hey, uh, I'm from Canada. I'm a Toronto Raptors fan. My podcast, Hardcourt Honeys, is on every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, that's lots of fun. And yeah, I'm kind of between other projects right now. Cool, cool. Um, obviously, we were a part of uh, your podcast a wee while ago. I think you might not have been there. Um, I missed that but episode, it was, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really good to be a part of, um, especially because I was wearing my uh, Minnesota Timberwolves hat. Oh, there was nice. a, lot of, a lot of chat <laughs> around that, so that was quite fun. Um, I also had that paired with a, a, a Dallas Mavericks top, so I don't know if that went over well or not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all Dallas fans too, so that's a good combo. <laughs> um, so from uh, this past week, obviously there's been a lot of big stars resting, coming back, etc. But it has given the opportunity for a lot of big games for, from some young guys, uh, namely Tatum, KPG and Dontich, just to name a few of them. Mm-hmm. What is your take on these three guys and how their season has been so far? So Luka Doncic, I'll start there because he's my favorite player currently. Yeah, same here. <laughs> he, he, yeah, I mean, he just keeps doing what you expect him to do. He gets the points. He gets the assists. It's hard to watch him not have a, re, a reliable number two to play with. Porzingis just, it's getting to the point where I wonder if he's ever going to be really healthy. And it shows in the Mavs record, they're struggling a little bit, but... Without Luca, like I don't know where that team would be this this year. I think though, like, if if they didn't have Luca, they'd be one of those teams that would be looking at resting all their guys just now and hoping to get one of those big lottery picks. From yeah. what I've seen of uh, Porzingis when he joined the Mavericks, he wasn't really right when he left New York. New York mm-hmm. didn't treat him well. They kept playing him when he needed to rest. They rushed him back for no reason because let's face it, up until this year. New York weren't relevant. They weren't, they weren't trying to do anything. And they were yeah. they were just putting this guy's body through unnecessary strain, asking to do loads of stuff with literally no one else around them. Yeah. So for him to go to the Dallas Mavericks, I thought last season for him missed most of the season was a, was a good thing. And it could have been the kind of spark to kind of really get him going. But 
due to the the short off season, obviously Dallas were involved in the the playing games, etc., in the playoffs. I don't think he ever really got right. I don't think he's really been settled yet. I hope because I, I I really like Porzingis as a player. I think he's mm-hmm. a fantastic, fantastic scorer, and he's just he does a lot of everything. You know, yeah. he's he's one of these new generation fives, which is just fantastic to watch. He's just he can be anywhere on the court and do anything with the ball. So I hope that he gets back to fitness. If It might not be in Dallas the way that's kind of shaping up because obviously Mark Cuban is quite ruthless with um, with guys who are not from the franchise originally. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets shipped out, even if he does well, have a really good postseason. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It, unless he gets healthy, I think by the trade deadline next season, if he's not healthy, I think they're going to have to move on from him because you also don't want to waste back to your original question. You don't want to waste all of Luca's best years, not having somebody that can run with him as a number two person on the court. And I think they have a couple of guys who maybe could step into that role. Tim Hardaway's juniors having a great season. I think Maxi Kleba is going to be a really good player, but I think he's a season or two away. He needs some more time, some more seasoning. So yeah, like the Mavericks, if they're going to stay in contention, and I think, you know, sixth is okay. It's low this year because of the play-in tournament. It's the last spot that's guaranteed to play in a playoff spot. But even then, I think that sixth is a little bit disappointing for the, the Mavs this season. I think they expected to be higher in the standings. Definitely. I mean, I, when when we did our, our kind of preview of the season, I had them as probably the kind of fourth seed. I thought mm-hmm. that they were going to take a while to get together. Obviously, a lot of changes in that roster, but just injuries and COVID has just really taken a toll on them, which is yeah. just really, really gotten for them. Because they, they brought in Josh Richardson, who's a major, major upgrade on Seth Curry. And Seth Curry, fair play to him. He has had a, an amazing year out in Philly, but yeah. he was not what the Dallas Mavericks needed. They needed someone to help look on defense and to, you know, spot up shoot. Seth Curry can spot up shoot. He is not helping anyone out in defense. He is too small. No. He's he's not quick enough. And he's just, he's not, he's not that type of guard. So mm-hmm. getting Josh Richardson in there was just, it was a great, great fit. And going forward, I hope they keep him because we've definitely seen flashes of what he can do and what he used to do in mm-hmm. Miami. So that's that's something to definitely look out for. Let's get on to Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum mm-hmm. put up 60. Now, he becomes, I think it was the second youngest guy to put up over 58 or something like that um, behind uh, Devin Booker. But it was all needed. That that 60 points was all needed for the Celtics to get that win. Yeah, do, you see was... the, do you see the Celtics going far this, this, this playoff? I do not. I was watching, I watched the last three quarters of that game where Tatum scored 60. And as exciting as it is to see a player score that much as a basketball junkie, there's still the question of, is he going to be enough? And I don't think that he is. Famously, the, the Celtics eliminated my Raptors last season in the bubble. And even at the time, I still said, you know what? Yeah, they beat us out, but they're not as good as that victory shows because the Raptors played like garbage in that series. Like it's the worst basketball they've played in two or three seasons. And they still took the Celtics to seven games. So what I saw from the Celtics last season is I thought they overperformed, you know, Kemba joined the team and something clicked and it worked, but it wasn't something they had to work on finding. It was kind of like an instant chemistry thing. And so I'm not surprised to see them slide this season. And I think before they are going to be serious contenders in the East again, you know, and by serious, I mean, maybe third, fourth seed, which is, I think, where people expected the Celtics to be. They either need to make some adjustments in who's doing what, who's, who has what responsibilities, I don't know that Kemba Walker is the point guard that's going to keep them relevant. I love Kemba Walker. I, I just don't know if he's that guy. Yeah, I, I had the same kind of feelings. When when Kemba joined to replace Kyrie and with the departure of Gordon Hayward, I, I really struggled to see where all the scoring was going to come from. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of years of Jalen Brown doing pretty much his best impression of Andrew Wiggins, you know, getting 15 <laughs> to 16 points a game. 
a couple of blocks, a little bit yeah. of assists, but terrible, terrible shooting. And then he started this season absolutely on fire, and everyone thought, "This is it. He's he's, he's came out. He's he's going to just take over. He is going to be the guy for Boston." And mm-hmm. then it just fell away. Like that whole kind of first two months was just an illusion, which is is a real shame for um, Boston because I think that they really got their hopes up at the start of the season when they mm-hmm. saw. Tatum clicking, Jalen Brown clicking, Kemba Walker was healthy for a while. They had Jeff Teague, who was playing some good basketball at points, and then it just all started falling away. The, 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 the question that I really have for Brad Stevens is, why do you get rid of Daniel Tice? Who does that? I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. the starting center. Um, the, I, I get the fact that they wanted to bring on Robert Williams. Is it Robert Williams? Pretty sure it is. But I don't think that getting rid of Daniel Tice was the right move. Daniel Tice has shown that he can play as a power forward. So is Williams. They can kind of interchange. Yeah. Tristan Thompson is a centre. He doesn't play that power forward role. He tried to do it when he was playing with Daniel Tice at the start of the year. Mm. Wasn't great. It was really kind of rough basketball from the, from the inside out for Boston. They then started start switching up with uh, Tristan Thompson going out with different injuries and COVID, etc. protocols. So it was good to kind of see how Boston were really going to use that kind of rotation without Tristan Thompson in it. But Brad Stevens must have seen something in practice that he thought, yeah, this is the guy I really want to lead our franchise into playoffs this year. Unless he's thinking, like, we've got Tristan Thompson for, I think it's two years. Daniel Tice is going to demand a lot more money. Right. We'll just kind of cut our losses and build up for the next couple of years, which is it's a shame because I think that Boston could have could still produce some upsets this year. Mm. But... They, as you said, they're not the complete package. I yeah. thought last year they weren't the complete package as well, and they were just like this team that was just a bit too young to yeah. have it all clicking together. Really good regular season, but we've seen that many, many times, especially in the East. You had yeah. teams like Indiana, you had obviously the Hawks, you had your Toronto Raptors really well, just being that little bit, you know, one or two stars short or one or two role players short for be- from being real contenders. And Boston were that for me last year. So to see them knock out the Raptors, I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't surprised that Miami disposed of them how they did, though. That was, you know, it was, in my mind, it was totally expected. Miami were just a much better run team. They knew who they were. They knew their identity. They weren't trying to be something they're not. I think Mm -hmm. when they had had Brown and Tatum being the guys to end the games, they didn't know how to do that yet. They they hadn't went through that kind of process. Whereas mm-hmm. Miami did. Miami knew exactly who their ender was and it was just go to Jimmy and everyone get, their, get out of his way. He will find he will find the best kind of shot. So yeah. they didn't have to worry about that. Whereas Gordon Hayward really, you know, since his injury has never really been that guy anymore. So they couldn't just go, oh, we'll give it to Gordon, we'll see what he does. Well, until he got traded to Charlotte and then crazy things happened. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally kind of morphed back in, back into his old Utah ways. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. I had him on one of my fantasy basketball leagues this season based on the theory that he's now the best player on the team, which is true. Maybe probably next year, I think Lamelo will be the best player on Charlotte, but Hayward had experience and he played great like he had he had career high points in one of his games early in the season and I and you almost wonder if you know maybe he just wasn't being used right in Boston and that leads me to kind of the rest of them like it doesn't seem like they have a direction as a team it doesn't seem like they have you know they have a point scoring leader but who's the leader who's who's the voice in the locker room that that holds everybody accountable and I wonder if if that's something that they're missing because they're talented. Yeah, definitely. I think they're oh, I think they're kind of emotional leader and they're kind of vocal leader. It's definitely Marcus Smart, but mm-hmm. when he's on the court, he can only do so much, and right. you can see the kind of the, the the impact he has in their defense. It goes way up, but their whole self control in the offense is just random. You know, they, they have no clue what they're doing in offense when he's on the court. He yeah. is he's quite a good spot shooter. But he is often throwing the ball with three or four seconds left in shot clock, and mm-hmm. he, that's not his game. It really is. Shot selection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I had I had Gordon Hayward quite early on in the season. I drafted him. I think it was like the sixth round or something. I was quite I was quite lucky to get him that late. 
I think a lot mm. of people just forgot he was still kicking about. So I was just really happy. But I, d- I traded him quite quickly after those high point scoring games for Johnny, for Johnny Butler and Jamal Murray. So I was I was really happy with that trade. Oh, nice. That's a good <laughs> trade. Yeah, not so much now that Jamal is down, but, you know, Jimmy's right. still doing the business. But yeah, so for Marcus Smart, it would be great if they had two of them. One to be on the court and one to, you know, <laughs> cheer on from the sidelines. Yeah. But they don't have that. You know, mm. I'm hope I'm I'm really enthusiastic about their young point guard Peyton Pritchard. From what yeah. I've seen of him, he is a fantastic, fantastic young piece. He He's could really be me too. Yeah, he could be the in my mind. He could be the next TJ McConnell very easily. Mm-hmm. He's got all the attributes. The only thing I can say that he does better is he can shoot from three, and he he knows his range from three rather than where TJ is does his little kind of fall away shot in the key. He, you know, right. he, he can do it all just now, which is, you know, all he needs is a couple more seasons under his belt. And he'll, he needs, yeah, he needs some run. Like he's only averaging 19 minutes and 7.7 points, but he's shooting 50% from two. Effective field goal percentage is 57%. And he's shooting 40, almost 42% from three. So that's, like that's, that's insane. For, for the, for the amount of minutes he's actually playing, his production is amazing. I think what we'll do is we'll just have a wee chat about what you say earlier on about Lamelo Ball. He's another one who's just came mm. back and is just putting up some major, major numbers. So he came back quite quite early on from his from his fractured wrist. I certainly wasn't expecting that. Gotten for me, I dropped him because I was in the midst of several games where I needed to win. And one of one of the other guys who's competing for the lead title picked him up just before me, so gutted. But he is, you know, he's back. He's producing some major, major games, and he's definitely impacted that Charlotte roster, which was kind of starting to waver. They yeah. had lost the occasional game here and there. They looked really strong beforehand, even when he was out, but they kind of almost burnt themselves out. What do you make about Charlotte's now chances in, the, in these playoffs? I don't love their chances, not because I don't think they're a good team, but because they are a new unit, uh, meaning Hayward's new there, it's LaMelo's rookie season, and they're the two most important things. And I find that when the bigger media outlet starts to talk about teams' performance, especially up-and-coming teams, going into a a playoff for the first time if they make the playoffs. They forget that it takes time to mesh. It takes time to for for a group of guys to play together and be able to keep it together under pressure, which is what playoff basketball is. Right now the Hornets are an eighth, so they're looking at the playing games. But the other teams, some of the I I think their chances if if the play-in tournament started tomorrow, the Hornets are in eighth, the Pacers are in ninth, the Wizards are in tenth, and the Raptors are in just out at 11th. I'm hoping they make a run back. And the Celtics are in seventh. So if the Hornets play the Pacers 8-9 seed, I really think it could go either way because they're both teams that are unaccustomed to that big stage. I, I would give 50-50 odds at them getting into the playoffs and I would see them being a first-round exit should they get through the play-in. Yeah, I think that's it's quite a, an honest representation of what they could potentially do. The, the good experience for these young guys would be getting there, though, and having yes. that kind of pressure on them. I think that's mm-hmm. what's always really you know, affected young guys early on in their careers. They've not been exposed to these kind of situations. And yeah. as soon as they're thrust upon it, it's suddenly, you know, a bit over, over um, overwhelming. And it takes a little right. bit of time for them to really kind of gel and get used to those kind of pressure situations. What I've really been impressed with, though, is how LaMelo handles games at near the end of, of regu- regulation time. He's mm. just so composed for his age. And he just seems to know exactly what he should be doing with the ball. And you can't teach that. Like, I mean, you can't teach his instincts. You know, like, guys can learn where to be if they're in the wrong place eventually. But, like, he just he just knows. Like, I think of Luka that way, too, Luka Doncic. Like, they just know what to do next. And... I mean, that's such an important thing. And then to your point about LaMelo as well, I think the the fact that he is the youngest of the Ball family boys that all had NBA aspirations or basketball aspirations, I think that helps with his poise. 
you know, because he's he's always would have been growing up, presumably like this is what I, how I think of it as he's got two older brothers that he's got to keep up with and try and beat. And I think that's helped his game a lot. I think it's helped him mentally and it's helped his poise a lot. Definitely. What what I would say about the whole ball situation in the NBA is LaMelo coming into the league has really given Lonzo a new lease of life. I don't know if you noticed this as well, but yeah. Lonzo's shooting this year has been fantastic. Yeah. I like A lot was said about his weird, funky shooting form, but <laughs> since... Lamellas came into the league. It's almost like, yeah, I was just doing it all for fun, you know. Now, now the real game starts. He's I am the better motivated. ball player. Yeah, yes. that that's a really good point because I remember watching him last season and being like, "Why aren't you looking for your shot more?" Like, you know, he's a great passer, and of course, that's an important thing to have. And I love players that can score and assist, and he he's good at that. But like, I saw so many games and so many moments where it's like you're you should take that. You should be able to drain that and he's passing it for a, a inferior shot opportunity. And so, yeah, I totally noticed that too. Now that his little brother's in the league, he is, you know, he's got a fire under him again. Yeah, he's definitely locked and loaded. It's, it's going to be real good to see hopefully those two square off at some point because yeah. obviously we've been really kind of hampered with the weird scheduling and stuff from mm-hmm. this year both of them have been out at different points. So once we start seeing those two go against each other, they are going to make for some really interesting and fun games. Yeah. One other guy who's obviously been putting up some major numbers now that he's got the kind of free reign, uh, reigns of the realm, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. I don't know if you've seen much of, of his performances out in Houston, but he put up a 50-piece the other night. What's your, I... what's your take on that? I got the notification for that. So because I am such a basketball head, I get notifications from Bleacher Report all season long. So that's how I found out about his 50 points. And I was like, who? Like, what? <laughs> he did what? <laughs> but, and, and we had a discussion about that actually on Hardcourt Honeys because it happened. Uh, we recorded a day or two after that game, I think. And my question was, is this an indication of the fact that he is nowhere near his ceiling or is this a Terrence Ross moment? Terrence Ross scored 50 points one day when he was with the Raptors and you never, we never saw that guy again. Like to this day, it's like, you remember that time Terrence Ross dropped 50 points? Oh yeah, that happened. (laughs) He never took that next step to, to, you know, like you think of other guys who scored 50 points, they they will get 30 point games, 40 point games, you know, high 20s. And Terrence Ross never did. So my question with Porter Jr. is, was this 50 point game a fluke? Or is there a lot more that he has to bring to the table? I, I definitely think he, he has a lot more to bring to the table. Mainly for the fact that I watched him a little bit when he's in Cleveland. And when he was given the opportunity in Cleveland, he took it. You know, there yeah. was there was no stopping him at points. The only thing that was really hindering him was his immaturity. And I think mm-hmm. now he's in that new situation in Houston and hopefully the Houston board support his growth. It, it will, you know, it really kind of put a spark under his whole career. With with the, the Terrence Ross thing, I think it's quite funny that you're, you're slagging him off, but I quite like Terrence Ross. I, I think he's like the a, a slightly different version of Lou Williams. Just an absolute bucket getter where he doesn't do a lot else, but he can go off in random points. He can just, you know, shoot lights out and then he can go total Iceman where he just hits nothing, you know, nothing. not even backboard at times. So <laughs> there's there's definitely there's definitely more of those guys in Elite these these days than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think Terrence Ross has a place in the league. And I I wouldn't say that he's totally done with that Magic franchise. I think he'll be a real key leader in that that new wave that's coming from the Magic. I mean, I hope so. If I had been working in the Magic front office, I would have been hanging on to Busevich and trying to move Terrence Ross. That's just me. I think he's a more versatile player. More importantly, he's not a defensive liability, which Terrence Ross always has been. 
Yeah, I I think we're I think the whole basketball world was confused about the Vucevic thing. Right. Like, every, everyone's just like, yeah, so everyone's up for sale apart from Vucevic because Vucevic wants to stay and the organization says they want to keep him. And he's gone. Yeah. What happened there? What the? Why? <laughs> it just, they just suddenly pressed the total rebuild mode and it was the rebuild that no one expected. It was not yeah. the rebuild for the next four or five years. It's, let's look 10 years down the road. You know, yeah, it, it, was, it was a big, big step to trade Vucevic. What I was shocked at is Chicago have not clicked with him in the lineup. They're in 12, 20. They've lost their last four games with 26 and 39. I mean, the Bulls have bigger problems than their lineup. The Bulls organization from the top down is problematic. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 put it nicely. I I watched <laughs> I watched a lot of the Bulls last year because I was a I'm still quite a big fan of Laurie Markkinen. But the way they're using him, they have no idea what they've got. He, for me, he reminds me of a a, a bit more of a, a stretch four than, than a five. But they had him at yeah. center for a lot last year. And you're like, he, he can't play defense. He's not experienced enough yet to do that. What are you doing? What are you mm-hmm. doing, Jim Boylan? What are you doing? But yeah, so with that Bulgarian organization, I thought it was strange that they pulled the pin and said, Le, let's go out and try and get the playoffs this year. Because it was, it was never really going to happen. Like they had way too many flexible parts that weren't fully committed to where they were. They've yeah. got Thad Young, who is, you know, playing out of his skin. No one knows why. No one knows how, but he is. And they they have no clue what their, their overall rotations are. Every mm-hmm. game is just a total lottery of who's going to be the point guard tonight? Is Zach Levine going to play? And they have a scoring problem too. Like they're 21st in the league in scoring at 110 points a game, which I mean, it's not 30th, but when you're, when Milwaukee and Brooklyn and Utah are scoring 119, 118.7, 116 points a game, that's at the top. They need another guy. They need, I don't know. I thought Kobe White would be better than he was at this point. And I think that comes down to their, the Bulls development. I don't think they have, the system to turn these guys into the team that they could be. I think they're more talented than their record. Definitely. I think I think that's kind of supported by the fact that Zach Levine showed in Minnesota. He has mm-hmm. massive, massive potential. And yep. in, in my opinion, he's not done anything new since he went to the Chicago Bulls. He's just done exactly what he was doing in Minnesota. There's mm-hmm. been no real improvement, which is, is a shame because we can see that it's, it's in there. Every now and again, he shows glimpses of what he can do, but it doesn't produce wins. You know, it doesn't produce as as a team effort. It's always yeah. give the ball to Zach, everyone get his way. That's it. Game's going to be done. Yeah. And it's not enough. Like he's averaging 27 and a half points this season in 35 minutes. So like he's literally carrying the team. They're like... And you think of the Bulls and you think of who's there and you go, Zach Levine, who else is there? Because it doesn't seem like anybody else is doing anything. I think that it leads us nicely onto someone else who's been kind of carrying seeing as there is several people resting in that team. LeBron James came back and they looked like they were the old Lakers again. They had LeBron, they had Anthony Davis. Then after a game and a half, He's gone again. What's your take on how LeBron and the Lakers are going to see it the rest of this regular season? I think it's a sticky, I think it's, they're in a sticky situation. Uh, Hopefully AD stays healthy and they don't have to worry about that again, but they don't know when LeBron's going to be available. And, you know, he came out and said he doesn't think he'll ever be a hundred percent again, which, you know, it was only a matter of time. He's 36 years old one of the oldest guys in the league. And I kind of always thought this about him, that he'd be good until he wasn't. And I think there's a possibility that we're getting to that point. He was never going to be able to play at the same level forever. There was always a time limit on it. You know, time marches on. He still averaged 25 points a game this season, but he's played 43 games, which is, it's low when we've only got six or seven games max left, even in the shortened season. 
it's by percentage left more games than he's ever missed in his career. So I think if you're the Lakers, you cross your fingers, you hope LeBron gets healthy, and you hope to make it through the play-in tournament if you slip out of below six. They're fifth right now, but the Mavericks are only half a game behind them, and the Trailblazers are only a game behind them. So it's tight. Yeah, it's definitely that that whole Western conference picture is very, very tight on who's going to make it into playoffs and who's having to go through the, the play-in games. Yeah. I, I don't think that the Lakers will fall into play-in games considering that they have the best defense in the league, shown the other night by holding Denver under 90 points, mm-hmm. um, obviously without LeBron. But I do kind of agree that the whole reason that he came back was because the Lakers were on a bit of a slide. Yeah. So him rushing back, if you will, I don't mm-hmm. think was the best move. I I looked at it after the injury and thought, right, he'll be out until he needs to be the last maybe one or two games. I didn't right. think he was going to come back with 10 games remaining and then try and ramp it up. What we, I, I'm a big LeBron fan, so I, I've seen him, you know, set out of games, and then as soon as he comes back, puts up a near triple-double and leads his team to victories. I, I thought that that's, if he was going to be coming back, that's what he was going to do in his first game. Now, he wasn't far away from it. He was, what, two rebounds and three assists from that away from a triple-double. Mm-hmm. But you could see on the court, he still wasn't right. He's not so, right. I don't know. I just I don't think that they're going to slip into playing games, mainly for the fact that Portland, I think, are running on fumes. There was a there was a moment the other night I was watching the Trailblazer game where Dame got stepped on and he hurt his ankle pretty badly. Now Dame being Dame, mm-hmm. just you know, they took a timeout. He laced up his boots and he went again, and he, it didn't seem like it phased him. But you could see in every timeout coming out from the huddles, etc. He was still feeling that. So I think he'll probably, yeah, he'll probably have to sit out because I know for one thing, the the Trailblazers are a much better team with Dame on the court. And if they're going to go into a play-in game, they they need him. They need him at full strength. They can't risk him not being there. They can't. Like, they literally can't afford it. Like, the term Dame time has become a thing mostly because of the crazy stuff he does to push them into playoffs when, especially the last two, three seasons, you know, all of a sudden he turns it on and they're in the playoffs and they make these runs. Like the season before last season, I did my playoff bracket and my East bracket was perfect. And my West bracket was a mess because (laughs) When I'm like, no, they're not going to beat this team. They're not going to beat this team. And they and they kept going. But, like, they always have to do it on the back of these insane performances from Damian Lillard. And if he's not available, I, I will say them picking up Norman Powell might, might be enough that if, they, if they're going to be missing him for a while, that they're going to be okay. Because Norman Powell also does better the brighter the lights are. And he's had a, he had a great season before he got traded. He, he picked up right where he left off once he started playing in Portland. Paul's going to have to step up too. It's going to take both of them plus, obviously, to make up for the difference. But I think there's, a, there's an outside chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that with, with the playing games, you never want to see Dame and you never want to see the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. with their backs against the wall because you know exactly what's coming. You know, you're going to have yep. some big, big games. And there's going to be some upsets. Yep. I think what you just mentioned about Norm Powell now going to the Trailblazers, I think that gives us a nice little kind of opportunity to talk about your Raptors, about how they've got on this season. Uh, good. <laughs> 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 like we were we were discussing a little bit before we, we had started is, I expected this season to be a bit of a write-off because you, you knew Masai and company were going to make a play for Giannis. And then when Giannis answered that question in the first week of the season or whenever it was and signed that max extension for Bucks, I said, okay, well, we're not getting Giannis. It's not going to be a great season. We unexpectedly lost both of our centers who both played big parts in our rotations on both ends of the floor. So 
that was a huge loss for us at the beginning of the season. And then, and then we didn't get to play at home. All of our games are in Florida instead of Toronto because of COVID. And then the whole team got sick at the same time. Like we're the only team in the NBA that's lost their coaches and their players all at the same time because of protocols. That, that was a pretty insane month or so. It was like, I was like, really? Really? Like, what else? What else is going to happen this season? Fortunately, we haven't had any major injuries, knock on wood. So there's that. But to me, I'm just like, you know, the Raptors are always going to play to win. So when people say tanking, tanking, like, no, as long as Messiah Jerry and Bobby Webster in that front office, tanking is not what they're going to do on purpose. That said, if they end out of the playoffs, they're going to get a higher draft pick than they've had in a very long time. And the Raptors have done incredible things with undrafted players like Fred Van Vliet or late draft picks like Pascal Siakam, who is selected 27th overall. Um, Norm Powell was a second round pick, 32nd or 34th, I want to say. So to me, I'm just like, you know what, we're going to have a draft pick like higher than what they've done with these other players. And they have the development system. They work very closely with their G League affiliate. And so for me, it's kind of like a lost season. It's like, all right, whatever. We got to get through this next season's a new season. We'll start over. They're going to they're going to get somebody in the draft that I expect to be really good. And the rest of the team is still great, you know. Fred's there, Pascal's there, OG's taken a step forward. The new guys that they've picked up are playing really well. So it, it, to me, it's kind of just like, it's a bad season. We're going to shake it off when it's over. We're gonna, I'm going to be a little bit relieved when it's done. I think. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can stop season losing so much. I'm not accustomed to them being below 500. But I think next season, they're going to look like the Raptors again. So big question for you. Do you think Kyle Lowry stays? Oh, I don't think so. I, like, honestly, the only reason he didn't get traded at the deadline was because they didn't, nobody offered enough for him. Otherwise, he would have been, like, I've, I've been saying since he signed his extension, he was done as a Raptor after this extension. They gave him the big thank you contract. If he stays in Toronto, he's going to either have to take less money, I think. I mean, he had a great season this season, but like you can't count on that. Again, Kyle is not young. You can't count on that every season anymore with him. The execs and the Raptors, they are business first. So I think there's a chance that he ends up moving either in free agency or in a trade again next season. If he is a Raptor at the beginning of the 20. 21-22 season, I will be surprised. I think it's it would just be really a shame for him not to finish out his career in a Raptor uniform, considering all he's done. I I wouldn't put it past him if he does move on. He's going to come back. He's going to he's going to do a, a Dwayne Wade type thing and just you know Absolutely. play the last five ten games for as and a Raptor. It's funny for you to mention that because I've been thinking about like a Kyle Lowry farewell tour, and because we are the, the Raptors are Canada's only NBA team, Raptors fans go everywhere the Raptors go when things are open, right? When we get out from under COVID, the Little Caesars Arena where the Pistons play, we call it. Uh, Scotiabank West because if you go to a Detroit Pistons game in Detroit against the Raptors it's more than half Raptors fans <laughs> <laughs> because Detroit is literally a bridge from Canada and Windsor which is a large city I live on the border as well I it's closer for me to see the Raptors play in Detroit than it is to see them play in Toronto by about two hours drive wow and then that's crazy when you think about it, even to go to Florida, like from Ontario to Florida, it's 24 hours straight drive and straight down. And you can do that all the way across the country, everywhere NBA teams play. So if Kyle Lowry did a farewell season, Raptors fans would just pack everywhere that he goes. That would be pretty cool to see. What I, what I, I, I do, I do can agree with you. I think this might be his last um, little bit in this kind of stint with with Toronto, mainly for the fact that Malachi Flynn has just you know taken off. 
those mm. those games where he's been given the reins, he's he's showing what I thought was signaling the end of Fred Van Vliet before he signed the extension. I thought, right, they've drafted the draft of Mike Flynn. He's basically the replacement for Fred. He does a lot of the same things. He's a real good on-ball defender. He shoots threes very well. And that's that's where I thought they were going with that. So when they gave him that extension, I was like, wow, I, I don't understand what's going to happen here because you're going to have, I, I thought they were going to have another at least two seasons of Cal. So I was like, how are they going to play these three guys? And they've still got Nolan Powell. So I really got confused about what was going to happen in, in the Raptors organization. But obviously now it's looking like Lowry's going to go the, the starting guard rotation is probably going to be Fred and maybe Gary Trent? Or do you mm-hmm. think they're going to give Flynn the starting point guard job? Well, the thing about Nick Nurse and the way that he runs the team, there is no set starting lineup. There, there really isn't. Um, he's played in the G League. He's played internationally. He's used to having people in and out of his lineup all the time. And so that gives him extra flexibility as an NBA head coach where he looks at the matchup and says, okay, here's who's starting. It's, it's not a given any, on any given night. So I expect to see Malachi Flynn with some stars. I expect to see Gary Trent Jr. with some stars. Freddie Gillespie, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, like they have an embarrassment of talent and, and they always do. They've always got a deep team. And I like that Nick Nurse takes extra advantage of that by like, you know, let's play somebody that maybe the other team hasn't scouted out. Let's start him. You know what he's going to do. So I I expect to see it be fairly flexible in the next season. To your point about Fred Van Vliet, I wasn't surprised to see them sign Fred to the extension because I see Fred as replacing Kyle Lowry for the next few years. Ah, I see, I see. Um, Yeah. And then, and and they they've been good without Kyle. Like they are seventeen and three, I think, of their last twenty games that Kyle didn't play. So like, Freddie's filled that role. Fred Van Vliet is, you know, if we lose Kyle tomorrow, we don't want to lose him. But if we do, we're not worried about that position. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, what do you think? the chances are that the Raptors push into that playing game. Let me have a quick look at their schedule for the last few games. <laughs> so they've got the Clippers tonight, the Wizards Thursday, the Grizzlies, the Clippers again, the Bulls, the Mavs, and the Pacers. So like, honestly, and, and it's getting to that point in the season where it's not just about who the Raptors are playing, it's about who everyone else is playing too. Yeah. Right? So like, it's really hard to say. I think it's still possible because there are enough games left, but I don't think it's particularly likely. Uh, for instance, the Wizards schedule besides us, they've got the Bucks tomorrow, but after that they've got the Pacers, the Hawks back-to-back, the Cavs, and the Hornets. So, like, I don't think the Wizards are going to fall. They've been, they've been playing fairly well. You know, and it's at the point where we need the Wizards, the Pacers, the Hornets. We need somebody to lose to give us a shot of getting in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, what I thought was quite funny um, the other week, uh, me and James were talking about it, was the fact that the, the, the Raptors tried to out-tank the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers <laughs> were just like, are you kidding me? Have you seen what we've been doing for the past, like, five years? We, we are can do terrible. That. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it was a real fun game to watch because it, it was like no one wanted to score. And when yeah. they scored, the young guys were like, Yeah, I scored. And the coach was like, Oh no, I gotta sit him down. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that leads us quite nicely into a little break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. And we're back, folks. Still with us is Jade from Harcourt Honeys. Talk about MVP these days is mainly centered around. Jokic and Joel Embiid. There is another guy who's quite close to my heart, who I think should be getting a lot more nods in the MVP race, is Jimmy Butler. Since he's came back for Miami, Miami have been a totally different team. They're dominant. They're seeing out games. They're you know taking on all comers. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about how Miami last season, they have this kind of sense of identity, and they always seem to have that sense of identity with Spo there and with Pat Riley overseeing everything. 
Do you think that Jimmy has a legitimate case for being MVP this year? I think he would, but for a certain Phoenix Sun point guard this season. It's hard to argue against what Chris Paul's been able to do since, since joining that team. And, you know, the Suns were obviously a piece away, you know, to go eight no in the bubble and miss the playoffs. Like I'm still mad about that. I feel like the NBA should have had some kind of clause that if a team wins all their games, they make the playoffs. They go straight um, to second round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who thought the Suns were going to be half a game back or first in the West this season? I, I had sneaking suspicions. I, I've been saying to James um, since before the season started, Chris Paul does not miss playoffs. He is just True. a machine when it comes to playoffs. Mm-hmm. And a lot is said about how he crumbles when he gets there. I personally don't think it's him that crumbles. I think he's not had that second star. If you look at every team he's been on, he has been the guy doing everything on the floor. Whereas now he's got this Phoenix Suns team reading all from the same hymn sheet. And they've got guys yeah. in, on their roster who can score, who can defend, who can dish out assists. So he yeah. doesn't need to do anywhere near as much. No, but yeah, and I mean... He is the perfect guy to add to a Devin Booker game. You know, like Devin Booker loves the mid-range. He's really good at it. He scores lots of points. Chris Paul is just the right guy to get the ball in his hand at the right time or to get the ball in somebody else's hand at the right time or know when it's his turn to shoot. He's such a tremendous mentor too. Like he knows the game inside and out. He's a natural born leader. There's a reason he has been the president of the Players Association for as long as he has. It was, of anybody the Suns could have picked up that was available, hands down, he was the right guy. And I think by any metric you want to measure MVP, I don't love, personally, I don't love how much playing, um, sorry, I don't love how much a team's record plays into MVP because I don't think that's always a fair measurement of who is most important to a team but in this case he's got that too you know they've got the record they've got the wins they've got the improvement over last season other than that Jimmy Jimmy would I think definitely would be in the conversation but it's hard for me to say he deserves it more than Chris Paul does this year yeah I think I gotta agree with you as much as I love Jimmy Chris Paul has just been unreal and the fact that Oklahoma City, I thought, gave him away for pretty much nothing. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't want him. They got him and he, you know, took them to places where no one ever thought they should ever be. Mm-hmm. And going to Phoenix, it, it, I think the start of the season, he started off red hot. He was shooting from yeah. three like he'd never done before. He was, you know, getting ridiculous amount of steals. He was just, he was just everywhere on the court. Booker took a little bit more time to adjust. But mm-hmm. those little kind of breaks that they've had in their schedule, you can see every time they have a two or three game or two or three day off break, they come back and they're even better than they were before. Yeah. And they've got a lot of guys in their roster who are seasoned. They they have been in these kind of situations where they know what it takes to win tough, tough battles battle of games. And with Chris Paul being the leader, I, I fully support that he should be in the kind of running with Joel and, and Jokic. Bit of a bit of a controversial one actually. Should Chris Paul already have an MVP? What's your what's your take on that? MVP is a really it's a it's a hard conversation for me because as much as it is, you know, media and players and coaches are not players, but it's I think it's media mostly that votes on MVP and uh the coaches go into it a bit too. It it still feels a lot of years like it's mostly a popularity contest. Definitely, definitely. Because of that, I would say there are, if, if, you know, if I really went back and dug into some of his best seasons and looked at who got MVP those years, I think there's, there are a season or two in there where I go, yeah, I think Chris Paul should have got it. Do you know, I actually, I've been a big fan of Chris Paul for a, a very long time. I followed him since he was in the Hornets and he should have got it. In my mind, he should have had MVP back when he was in, uh, a Hornets uniform, mainly for the fact he should have had Kobe's 0708 MVP trophy, which is probably a little bit blasphemous and is a bit <laughs> controversial. 
But yeah. this is this is where I'm going with this. He <laughs> should have Kobe's one. As much as I like Steve Nash, Steve Nash shouldn't have won a back-to-back MVP. And mm. Kobe should have had Nash's 0506 one. Mainly for the fact that if you look at what the individual did, which is, you yeah. know, the most valuable player is what it should be, not the most mm. valuable teammate. Kobe was better than Nash in 0506. Right. So why did Nash have to win back to back? It was more yeah. of a case of, wow, this has never been done before. Let's just give it to this guy. No one would right. see this coming. Yeah, there's definitely, there's a level of arbitrary in the way that they decided that I think you you always have to account for. I, I hope he gets some first place nods. I, I don't think it will happen, but mm. given on how much of an improvement the Suns have had, I mean, we got to remember, these these guys are literally what, one or two seasons removed from being bottom feeders. You know, the like worst record. <laughs> yeah. Was there not a season that they won under underneath 20 games or something like that recently? Which is, you know, it's insane to think about. Under 20 yeah. games to go into probably being the first seed. Yep. It's crazy. Talking of crazy, crazy stats, actually, um, Duncan Robinson has just became the fastest to 500 threes. He beat Damian Lillard's record by 47 games. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... How does how does someone do that? I mean, I know we're in this this era of more and more people shooting threes, but we're talking the, the names on this list. You got Dame Lillard, you got Clay Thompson, you got Buddy Hield, and he's beat them all out by over forty games. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like uh, the thing I see with Duncan Robinson when I watch him play, I remember we talked about on Hardcourt Honeys after the playoffs or maybe it was during the season last season, is he the real deal? Or is this just, you know, early success that he stumbled into? And the thing is that, like, he takes really good shots. You know, he is not the guy that put feels like the ball has to go up the moment it gets in his hands, but he knows when he should just catch and shoot. He knows when to dribble. He knows when not to dribble. I think, I think he just takes smart shots. And he's accurate in ways that, I mean, obviously are, this is a big deal that he got to this point. I think he's going to keep improving. I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. I think because Tyler Hero is such a flashy player that Duncan Robinson has been a little bit in the shadows because Tyler Hero's got the personality, right? He's that guy. And Duncan Robinson's a little bit more quiet. He's a little bit more understated, but he he can ball. I think the the biggest thing that went into it is he's, he's smart. He he's a very intellectual player, and you have to be to get along with Jimmy Butler. Everybody on that team has to be to keep up with Jimmy. It, I mean, it's fun. He's averaging 13 points this season, which you know, for him to have hit that many threes seems a little bit incongruous incongruent. So I think there's still parts of his game he needs to find it's only his third season so there's time for that but the fact that he's done this with the three-pointers this soon I think it's somebody that if you're not already paying attention you should pay attention to Duncan Robinson oh yeah definitely I mean as as a bit of a Miami Heat fan anyway I I know how much the Miami Heat fans love Duncan I mean Mm -hmm. their whole their whole their whole tagline is Miami runs on Duncan so they know how much and how valuable he is to that team. Yeah. And he's he's an absolute flamethrower at times. When when he's in the zone, I, I always think about him like Cal Corver. He's basically the evolution of that. He knows mm-hmm. exactly where he should be in the court, how yeah. open he needs to be, and if he needs to take a, a, a sidestep dribble. Yeah. And then he's also got that little bit extra to his game where he's he sees the floor and the passing ability that he has is a little bit understated. There's been times where you're thinking, just shoot it, you're open, you know. Yeah. But he'll be, you know, looking for Bam making that full court dive after tipping a, a ball to a rebound to him or something like that. So he's got that awareness and self, mm-hmm. uh, like self, self belief in, in his own ability yeah. that he knows he doesn't need to get all the shots in the world to be right. effective on that team. Yeah, and, and his percentages are great too. Like he's not just hitting all these threes because it's volume. He's got the third best three point percentage of anybody 
who's averages eight or more a game, only behind Steph Curry and Zach Zach Levine. So like, it's not just volume. He's he's talented. Yeah, um, I I thought it was quite fun as well uh, last season when they're in the bubble in the in the playoffs. They had a uh, Miami Heat and uh, Facebook and Twitter had had a uh, on repeat for several days. Duncan Robinson having a dunk. They were like, did anyone else know he could do this? Like he had one dunk <laughs> in the whole playoffs, and they were going nuts for it for like I a bet. whole week. <laughs> <laughs> as we just talked about guys dunking, I think that kind of leads us on to the most recent big game in in the in the NBA calendar, which was possibly an Eastern Conference final matchup between Giannis and KD. So that game, KD goes for 42, Giannis goes for 49. The Bucks come from behind. They were behind for most of the first half and they get the three-point win. What's your, what's your takeaway um, from that game? Man, that, that I wish I had watched that game. I missed that one, but that would have been fun. Um, but I have been thinking about it. And I think when, I think it's really special when two players playing opposite each other both have a night because then they're just pushing each other. It's just back and forth. And I mean, it's great for basketball. It's fun for the fans. It's good for the players. I am going to come down a little bit on Giannis though. I don't think that Giannis is a guy that scores almost 50 points without a Kevin Durant pushing him. I don't know that Giannis is the guy that can dig down and, and find 50 points on his own, which is a bit of a concern to me for the Bucks. I think Kevin, I know Kevin Durant can do it. He's done it before. <laughs> Other players that score a lot of points like that, you know they can do it. Your Damian Lillard, your Steph Curry's like you know they can. I want to see if Giannis can do it again in a game where his his op- opponent who he's guarding doesn't score 42. Can you do it just because it's you by yourself? Yeah, I think there's there's always been that kind of self-motivation that's struggled with Giannis. He either tries to do it all himself or he doesn't live up to his own expectations. And it's that fine balance that I I just don't think that Coach Bud is the right man to bring that out in Giannis. He's just he's not proven that he's got that kind of, you know, willingness to to give his star the right tactics and the right personnel around them to do this in a playoff series. So that game for me, I, I was I was sitting watching it. it. It was a bit, you know, net. I'm going to say nettish, um, mainly for the fact that the Nets don't play any defense. So yeah. it was just, yeah, so the Nets are going to score, and then the Bucks are going to score instantly because yeah. the Nets don't care because all they care about is how many points we can put on the board, and you right. have to keep up with us. And... I didn't understand. I still don't understand Steve Nash's theory behind this because they're going to come up against teams that can play much better defense than they can offense, and they're going to they're they're going to get blown out. I I I wouldn't be surprised if they get blown out in one of these playoff series, mainly for the fact that they are going to come up against a team like Philadelphia Seven Sixers, or if Coach Bud actually gets his act together and sorts out the rotations in Milwaukee. And there's going to be massive stretches of time where they're giving the ball to KD and KD is going to come up, he's going to come up empty, empty because the, the defense is going to be solely focused on him. Yeah. Now, I, I realize when I'm saying that they're, they're going to have Harden and Kyrie, but we don't know how healthy Harden's going to be. And we right. know Kyrie is a bit of a flake. So how is that really going to work in a playoff series? Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that, um, again, they're a new team. Yes, they are stupidly talented, you know, but it takes time for a team to figure out how they're going to work together, what they're going to do together. And, you know, a lot of player, a lot of people, once all of those trades happen, where there's no way the Nets don't go to the finals this season. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think there's a chance. I would be crazy if I didn't think there was a chance they have KD, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. But they obviously have some things they need to figure out. They're allowing a lot of points. Uh, They're 25th in the league in defensive rating. They're allowing 113.2 points a game, to your point, where they are not focused on defense. And the teams that they're going to have to get through to get out of the East 
The Bucks are seventh in defensive rating. The Miami Heat are eighth in the league. Even the Raptors, as much as they're losing, are, are loads better on defense than the Nets are. The, the Celtics are better defensively. The Bulls are better defensively. Like, game is <laughs> So I think that's going to be their Achilles heel when you get to the playoffs because everyone knows the defense tightens up. And if you don't already have a defensive identity, there's nothing for them to tighten up as a team to make it harder for their opponents. But their opponents are going to make it harder for them. I think the, the one thing the Nets have advantage on a lot of the league, apart from mine and James's favorite guy, Tom Thibodeau, is that they have a really short rotation. You know, they yeah. only play maybe eight or nine guys every game anyway. So when it gets to playoffs and the rotation shortened down, the Nets know who those guys are already. And a lot of them have been all-stars. And a lot of them have been, you know, at the top of top of their game. And they're, you know, showing out this year how mm-hmm. offensively great they can become. What I really want to see is if they somehow do manage to match up against, say, Atlanta Hawks, and it just becomes an all-out slugfest of threes, <laughs> Who wins that one? I I couldn't I couldn't tell you who's going to win that one because we just don't know well, how I mean, these two teams are going to face against each other. On a given night, the Hawks can go. You know, Trey Young can go off. Kyrie shoots the three. Harden shoots the three. Kate, like there are Gallinari. so many guys from range that, like to your point, yeah, it's impossible. It's really hard to say. Another team that's interesting defensively, the Nets might actually end up playing depending on how things shake out, is the Knicks, which will be epic. Obviously, if the, if the Nets and the Knicks have to go against each other in the playoffs. But, I mean, the Knicks are fourth defensively. They're only allowing 100 and, 100 and under 108 points a game. Tom Tebedon is in his defensive structure is just yeah. you know, outdoing himself this year. Um, we talked a lot last, last episode on how well that Tom has got that system going. I I just worry, and I know it's going to happen at some point. I, I hope it doesn't happen in the playoffs. I just want them to have one good playoff year, and I think mm-hmm. it might be this year or a bust, mainly for the fact that there's a lot of guys in that roster who are aging. They already have injury worries. Yeah. So I, well, I, really and I mean, hope- Tom Thibodeau is known for how hard he runs his players. That, that was my concern for the Knicks in hiring him and maybe he's adjusted his style and you can't really tell after only one season, but like he has that reputation. I don't, I don't think that Tom is ever going to adjust his style. I think like he could be coaching, (laughs) he could be coaching like his, his great, great nephews, um, (laughs) like primer, like primer kindergarten school team. And he'd be like, what are you guys doing? I've only played sixties. How can you be tired? It's only 20 minutes. (laughs) Keep running. <laughs> it's just insane how, how he how he does his rotations and like yeah. I mean credit to him. Derek Rose is having pretty much one of his best ever years in like the past what ten years. Mm-hmm. And you know, Julius Randle is definitely gonna be in, in the shirt with an award this year for probably for most improved. Yeah. So the way that that team is gonna come against other teams in the playoffs, people are gonna be scared of that team hundred percent. Well, even even just for the fact that you don't really know what to expect. They're they're a, a new unit. Right? You haven't had multiple seasons to see how they're gonna do. Julius Randall's had this breakout season. I, I you know, besides the fact that they're playing really well, I think there are a lot of unknowns as a team facing them from the outside looking in about how are you going to deal with them. You haven't had to pay attention to the Knicks for a long time. Yeah, but I think they're they're here, and I would not be surprised if they're going to stay for a little while, especially mm-hmm. if Tom keeps this keeps this going. Well, um, I think that that kind of wraps us up for the NBA side of things. So we have obviously a kind of tradition on this podcast uh, when we get guests on to ask what their top five favorite sports movies are. Do you have that list? I sure do. <laughs> And uh, for your partner, I will even do them in order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure James will love that. So this is for you, James. So number five, I have The Blind Side with uh, Sandra Bullock. 
so sad. I have like, it's one of the movies, like every once in a while I need to cry and I know I need to cry. So that's one of my crying movies because it's just like, how do you not? <laughs> I, I've got I've got a weird story about that actually. Um, I, I'm a teacher, so yeah. I I've seen that movie in parts for the past like seven years or however long it's been on DVD. It's just I seem to always catch you of the first twenty five minutes or the last yeah. forty minutes. So there's a, there's a bit in that movie I don't know what goes on. So I know how it starts and I know how it ends. I've never seen uh. the middle of it. I've just that made up my mind. Funny. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. That that middle part is just absolutely awesome. It's <laughs> so what uh, is your number four? Number four is We Are Marshall. Another sad sports movie. The theme won't go all the way through, but like... <laughs> <laughs> um, number three is Space Jam, the original Space Jam. I have like a lot of nostalgia tied up in that movie. It's the first movie I ever saw in theaters when I was a kid. And I was already into basketball all the time. It was Looney Tunes. Like all the things just came together <laughs> the right way for that movie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the trifecta, isn't it? It's, you've got cartoons, right? you've, got, you've got basketball, and you've got in the cinema with all that popcorn and like sweets. You know, exactly. how can you lose? What's your, you what's can't. Your... And the soundtrack, minus R. Kelly, but the rest of the soundtrack <laughs> is incredible. Um, so Spaceship, number three. I've got Coach Carter at number two with Classic. you know Samuel Jackson and Channing Tatum was in that movie back in the day. Just <laughs> such a fun movie. Very like honest, you know, what boys are like in high school and losing team and hard work and all that good stuff. And Number one, my number one favorite movie is Remember the Titans. Uh, we've had we had that one quite a lot actually. So uh, good. It is it is good. It is good. What did they made a they made a series of it as well, didn't they? Did they? I didn't know that. I think I think I'm pretty sure there's there's some kind of series of it or something, but it, obviously it was never as good as a movie. I might just be making that up. It might be like another NFL style <laughs> college thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of series. I, I remember there was a lot of controversy around it. Like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. Might mean something else. Something oh, like yeah. That. I see. Uh, it was in 2000. Will Patton was in it. So he played the coach that stayed on in the original one. Ah, so they did actually get some of the original cast. That's yeah. interesting. I knew, yeah, I knew it. I knew there was. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, just making it. Good call. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just like my, my middle bit of blindside. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Jade, it's been fantastic having you on. So we'll obviously do this again at some point or try and schedule in again. Yeah, thanks very thanks much for having me. It's great. No worries. You've been listening to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Keep checking back for more episodes. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.